0: morning, good morning again, good morning everybody else. It's a joy to be back again and uh, praise God for what he's doing in your lives and what he's doing here through this institution and uh, for what he's doing in the city. Uh, I've come today to actually to ask you to pray. Uh, Maybe you're already doing that, but if not I want to call you pray Um, I want to thank uh, those persons who had a hand in inviting me, uh, Gail and Dave and others for allowing us to have this time together Um, now they gave me a little sheet of paper that said I'm supposed to dismiss at 11.25 and it's uh, 10.41 by my clock that's about time for my introduction Um, so we're going to do the best we can Uh, I hope to finish soon enough I hope I do Uh, to give you a chance to maybe ask some questions about what might be going on in the city of Los Angeles it's a very very tense time Um, and if I don't have time and time to do that I hope we will at least have some time at the end take a moment and to pray for what's happening and and what uh, will happen and what we pray will not happen uh, in the city of Los Angeles let's look to the Lord shall we? Father how we thank you for this day and for this time of coming together and studying your word we ask now that you would be uh, in this gathering and continue to manifest your presence and power we thank you for the great hymns that have reminded us of your greatness and your faithfulness. And so bless our time together now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to call your attention to a very familiar passage. I'm almost embarrassed to even have you turn to it uh, because I know that you're so familiar with it. Uh, it's in Second Chronicles chapter 7 and you already know uh, what that familiar passage of scripture says. I'm I'm almost embarrassed to even have you turned in. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I'm going to be reading from the King James uh, Version. I'm, you probably have some other version. I, I used to apologize for that. You know, when I was here last time, I mentioned that I um, would oftentimes bow my head when I read from the King James uh, so few people not so few but many people nowadays don't have that version anymore but I heard a uh, a country western song a while back anybody listen to country western music anybody? is that allowed up here oh, that's okay oh. yeah I know it was a country western song a long time ago and the title of the song was one of those country gospel country gospel songs and the title as you know country western songs have strange titles and uh, ever since I heard this title I don't I don't uh, apologize anymore for King James. The, the title of the song was this. It said, "If the King James version was good enough for John the Baptist, it's good enough for me." And, and ever since then, I've been reading on in King James, and I trust that it will bless you. Verse 14 of second of the seventh chapter of first second Chronicles says this: Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Uh, you know this. Familiar with it. And it reads thusly, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And will hear, will heal their land. I want to talk about healing the city. Healing the city. When one is sick, when one's body has been attacked by viruses, bacteria, one stands in need of healing. When one's body is broken, When a limb is broken, that limb, that part of the body is in need of, of healing. There is a kind of formula for healing given by God in this passage. the very text implies that there is a need for healing. It implies that something is sick, it implies that something is broken it implies that something needs to be mended, that something needs to be healed, that something needs to be restored, that something needs to be revitalized it implies that there is a need for healing the context of this chapter this verse is that the consecration dedication if you will of the temple by solomon and in this long rather long prayer he he sets up a series of hypothetical probabilities he begins back in chapter 6 and, and he says, Lord, if this happens, then will you do this. If that happens, then will you do this. If if this happens, then will you do that. And in chapter 7, God answers his series of hypothetical probabilities. And he responds and and God says, Now, if I do this, if I shut up the heavens, that there be no rain. If I command of the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among the people. He says, if I do that, then God says, now, in response to me doing that, if my people will do something else. God says, then again, I will do something else. It's a, it's a kind of, of a diploric, two-sided covenant. God says, if this, then this. If my people will do something, then God says, then I will do something. And in this series of hypothetical probabilities, the stage is set for the possibility of healing. Several several observations that we see as we look at this text. First of all, there is the implication again that the land needs healing. There is the implication, the observation is, that the land needs healing. There, There has been a connection between man and the land. Up to this point in history. For man himself was made out of the dust of the earth. Was made of land, if you will. Made of the dust. And then because of man's sin, the land was cursed. So there has been this relationship between man and the land. Man and land. Man and land. And the text implies that that because of this relationship between man and land, the land is in need of healing. And the land is in need of healing because man is in need of healing. The land needs healing. We, we live in a city that needs healing. Times are very tense in the city even as we speak. Ironically, about a year ago, we did not know at this time a year ago that we were on the verge of one of the greatest social upheavals and social tragedies of, 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 of this whole city and the history of this country actually but it was all an indication that there was a sickness, a brokenness in the land and the land needs healing the systems of the land are broken because the inhabitants of the land are broken the systems of the land are sick because the inhabitants of the land are sick the judicial system is broken. The economic system is broken. The political system is broken. And in need of healing. The land needs healing. But there is an interesting, interesting observation in this text, and that is this. That God does not rely upon the land to heal itself. God says that, secondly, healing begins with the saints. First of all, the land is in need of healing, but secondly, that healing begins with the saints. He says this, If my people, if my people, the, the people who are called by my name, God, God says this, Yes, yes, the land may be sick. Yes, the land may be weary. Yes, the land may be disturbed. May the land may be in destruction. The land may be involved in famine and pestilence. Yes, there may be, rough, there may be disaster all in the land, but God says the healing begins when my people do something. He never relies upon the world to heal itself. God says that the healing that is necessary in the land will begin when my people, my crowd. If 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 God God seems to says if if I can j- if I can just get my crowd together. If if I can get my crowd. If I if I can get my folk. If I can get my my crew. If I if I can get my posse together. God says I can handle the situation. If my crowd, my posse, my people my family, my children, if I can get my crowd together, God says, I can handle the situation. And so he says, if my people, the people who bear my name, the people who who go under the banner of my name, those who are called by my name, God says, if, if I can just get that crowd together, I can heal the land. You bear the mark of the name of Christ on your life. You are a part of His people who are called by His name. When God says, if my people, He's not, certainly not implying all the people in the world. He's speaking of those who are called by His name. He's speaking of a conglomerate, corporate people, and yet He's speaking of those who are called by His name. His people. Contrary to what many people think, this is not, this is not, this is not, certainly is no longer a christian nation this is not this is not and certainly it is no longer a christian nation it is a nation in which there are christians but i doubt if it can significantly be called a christian nation it is a land in which some of god's people reside but it is not a christian nation it is a nation that is broken a nation that is sick And yet God says, in that nation, I have some people. And if I can get my people in that nation to do some things, God says, then I can move. If my people, my people, God, God, let let me tell you how much God loves you. Let 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 me tell you how much God loves you and what God did when He saved you. God loves you so much. And when God saved you, He loved you so much that He sovereignly chose... To, in a very real sense, put his name on the line in your life. You are his representative. You are his ambassador. And there's a very real sense in which when you go out into the world, you go out representing him. You go out under his banner. You you bear his name. His name is on the line in you. He trusts you that, enough, that much to put his name on the line in you. And so he says, if my people who are called by my name would do something. My people among the peoples. My people in the land. My people in the nation. God says, if I can get my crowd together, then I can do something. If my people were called by my name. Healing, watch this now. Healing begins with the saints. Here's the next thing. That healing begins with prayer. He says this. If my people call by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Prayer, prayer, prayer. It, it begins with a position of humility. If they will humble themselves, humble themselves, which has an idea of changing one's position, changing one's attitude about oneself. It, it, it is, it is to, to take oneself down. To humble oneself, to to, to change your attitude about yourself in relationship to God, to humble yourself. To come before God and bow down and humble yourself before Him. It means to imply that, that an attitude that you may have had, which you may have thought was right, needs to be changed. And to admit that there is some change that is necessary in you demands humility. Let me tell you what I am, let me tell you what I am. And, and, and God has had to move in my life on this. At best, I am this. At best, I'm I'm a recovering racist. At, at best, I'm I, I'm a recovering racist. It, it, it was a very humbling real, realization to admit that I'm a recovering racist. When I was, I was about 11, 12 years old. Uh, Younger than that, actually about 10. Um, I was the only black student in an all-white music school taking piano lessons, piano and organ lessons. Only black students. And one day, one Saturday, the owner of this music school decided that he would take all of the students on this big amusement uh, 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 um, event. In St. Louis, called the Admiral. The Admiral was a great, big, huge ship that was docked in the port in St. Louis, and would, and would cruise up and down the Mississippi River. And so the mu- owner of this music school decided that he would one day take all of the students to on the Admiral. I'll never forget it. It was on a Saturday, and I, my mother and my father had, had dressed me up in my little, you know, little nice looking clothes and everything, and we went down to the to the dock, and and you had to go down uh, kind of a, a hill to get down to the dock. The landing, uh, the landing where the uh, where the uh, ship was was docked, and I'll never forget. I was walking down one hand in my, mo- in my mother's hand, one hand in my father's hand. We walking down this this long uh, this hill. At the bottom of the hill, there was the seemed to me the the biggest white man I'd ever seen in my life. This, this big, huge, huge dude. You no, know, what he, he was dressed in a, in a in a in a police uniform, and he had his arms folded like this. Never forget it. Next to him was a man dressed in all white who I later discovered was the captain of the ship. And there these these two guys, these two guys at the bottom of this hill, like this, you know. Biggest biggest white man I'd ever seen in my life. Biggest you know. And they got bigger as I got there, got closer. You know, they they just rose up, you know. And um, we we got down to the bottom and my mother was on one hand, my, my father was on, one, on on the other side, and uh we we stopped and we began to ask, you know, which way do we go for the, the tickets and everything? And uh this, this big huge white cop says this he says we don't allow niggers on this boat and uh, my my mother said well that surely doesn't make some mistakes we, we're with the Shields Music School and, and Shields Music School is, is taking an outing today uh, and that big cop said lady I don't care who you're with we don't allow niggers on this boat. The captain stood, and he didn't say anything. There was a little discussion and altercation, a, little, a little disagreement. And I didn't know it, but there were reporters around, evidently expecting something to happen. And the next day in the newspaper, there was a there was a a banner, uh, the the, the headline in this section of paper had a picture of me and my parents, and 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 the picture said this. The article said, "He didn't ride, but he tried." First time my picture had ever been in a newspaper. I'm I'm 45 years old, and I will never, ever ever forget the look on my daddy's face when that white man told us we don't allow niggas on this boat. I will never forget the embarrassment that he had. I will never, I'm 45 years old I was was, was 10 years old, that's 35 years ago I will never forget the, the shame on my dad's face when he had to turn around and walk me back up that hill and take me home as I waved to my other little classmates in the beauty school. Maybe you can't imagine, but but, but try to imagine what that does to a 10-year-old kid. And I grew up with that and that bitterness and hearing that man's voice ring in my ear for years. Now you listen to me. It was nothing but the power of God in my life that was able to heal that. See that that's, that's, what, that's what I want you to see I want you to see I want you to see that as deep as the hurts are as, as deep as the sicknesses are it has to be the power of God that brings healing I'm a, I, I'm a recovering racist I'm, God is still working out in my life His power But I had to at least begin by acknowledging that I needed some healing. That, 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 image of that big white cop in my, in my, in my mind, that image had never gone away. And it had caused me to look at people with skepticism and, and with raised eyebrows and to back off and to be defensive and to be protective. But I had to begin by acknowledging that there was a hurt that needed to be healed. And I could never acknowledge that I needed to be fixed and needed to be healed until I humbled myself. Racism is a sin. No matter what color it is. And it's a sin that needs to be healed. But the power of God can heal it. I'm a witness to that. No, no, nobody, I, I didn't read that in the newspaper, didn't learn that in the seminary. God taught me that. But it begins with that kind of humility, that, that there is that there's something in me that needs to be healed and only God can do it. And so he says, humble yourself and pray. And seek his face. Seek, watch this now. Seek my face. God says, seek my face. He's already painted a picture of devastation and pestilence and drought and famine. And yet he says, in the midst of that, he says, if my people, if my people, if my posse, my crowd, will seek my face. The the word seek seek has to do with the idea of of determination and, and, and expectation It's earnestly searching for something and expecting to find what you're searching for. God says this, in the midst of the sickness and the pestilence and the devastation, God says, if my people will seek my face through all that stuff, will earnestly and diligently seek to see me in the midst of the devastation, to see me through the devastation, God says, if my crowd can... Keep their eyes focused on me. I can handle the crowd. I, I, I can handle the, the sickness in the land. I've, I've come today to ask you to, to join me in praying that, that we can see God's face in the city of Los Angeles. Um, it, it, it's very tense and tight on that side of town. I've been in meetings all week. I've got meetings all set up all next week. And, and there's going to be all kinds of gatherings and, 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 uh, and, and meetings to try and avert another incident. And the reason there's so much concern about the incident happening again is because very little has changed since the original incident. And if the truth were told, very little has changed from the, from the incident last year to the incident back in the 60s. Only difference was, in the 60s, they called it the Watts Riots. Now they call it the L.A. Riots. it It was from the desert to the sea to all of Southern California. But I came to ask you to pray with me for a city that's sick. That is sick. But that can be healed. If God's people would set their faces to see Him and to seek Him through all of the problems. and turn from their wicked ways. Listen to what he's saying. If my people, which one? The ones that are called by my name would do something, would do what? If my people called by my name would turn from their wicked ways. Watch this, don't miss it. God is saying a part of the healing in the land is related to the sins of his own people. Did you get that? No, you didn't. You went to sleep. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it. God says, if my people would turn from their wicked ways. He he didn't say, go and turn the other crowd from their wicked ways. He says, if my crowd would turn from their wicked ways. See, see, you know, (laughs) the the problem in theological circles is that most of us take extremist positions. You've got a crowd over here, got a crowd over here, uh, uh, uh often of, of the more, of the more liberal persuasion over here, no, over left side, over here, over here over here, that crowd over here uh, who, who, who will, who will oftentimes denounce denounce corporate, or rather denounce corporate sin with little attention to individual sin See? but then you got another crowd on the other extreme who, who will constantly talk about individual sin and overlook or downplay corporate sin when the two are inextricably woven together. The nature of a nation is by definition the conglomerate nation of the peoples in the nation. The conglomerate nature, other of the people in the nation. So when God talks about healing and turning from wicked ways, He says this, even my crowd has some turning to do. My crowd needs some healing. If, if, if my crowd would turn from this, he never says anything in this passage about the world stopping sinning. He, he does not call in this passage for, for, for the, the unredeemed to be righteous. He never says that in this passage. He never expects the ungodly to act godly. But he implies, if the godly would be godly, their godliness can affect the ungodliness of the ungodly. And so he says, if my crowd would turn from their wicked ways, what, what, what is there that needs healing in your life? How, how easy, how easy for, is it for you to acknowledge that we live in a society in a generation, in a system that is significantly racist. It is racist. It's biased. All kinds of explanations for that. But at some point it needs to be acknowledged. That that because of, because of, of the pervasion of individual racism that individual racism is manifest even on a corporate level. Because of individual injustice, there is corporate injustice. Because of individual unrighteousness, there is corporate unrighteousness. Because of individual sin, there is national sin. And yet God calls his people to be the one to do the turning. And so he says, turn from your wicked ways. God says, then I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal the land. Here's the last thing. God can heal the land. Praise the Lord. (laughs) God can heal the land. But that healing is dependent upon a response and an action on the part of His people. On the part of me, on the part of you. God can heal. God can fix it. Please believe me, the city of Los Angeles could go up just like that again. It could. There are all kinds of gatherings and dialogues and meetings and, 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 and exchanges and preventative measures going on in the city, even as I speak. There's a meeting right now uh, at, at a group, a two groups that are meeting in, in Los Angeles right now to try to avert another uprising. Because everybody knows it could happen again. But I believe that if the saints of God, if the church of Jesus Christ would cover this city with prayer, I believe if the churches of God, if the people of God would cover this city with prayer, I believe there is enough power in prayer to heal the land. Because I believe that the ultimate answer is always in Jesus Christ. Now let me just tell you a secret. If you're not convinced that Christ is the answer. You might need to go out and sell insurance or something. Please. You might need to go, get enough, go into another, another kind of profession, another kind of job. But, but but if you're going to be effective for the kingdom, you have to go out there with the commitment and the conviction that the ultimate answer is in Jesus Christ. That's not the only answer, but, it's, but the ultimate answer is in Jesus Christ. Because it is through the righteousness that's brought, that's brought by Jesus Christ that the systems will be changed. And only through that. It's not just enough to get Rodney King saved. But the system needs to be dealt with. And God says the land, the system can be dealt with through the prayers and actions of this. And so I came up here to ask you to pray to pray for a community in which I minister that was in darkness for four days following the riots last year. There, there was no electricity. I came to ask you to pray for the people who who were in line and who may have to be in lines again, who were in line because they had no food. For that little lady, that little lady who came to our church on a Tuesday who said she had not had milk for her baby since the following, the previous Thursday, the day after the riots. I want you to pray. I came that I came to ask, came to ask you to pray for a city that can be healed by the power of God. That's an old song in the black tradition that says, I know prayer changes things. Well, I came to report this. Not only does prayer change things, prayer changes you. Let's pray. Won't you take a moment now and specifically and deliberately pray for the city of Los Angeles? Pray for a protective covering over that city. Pray for peace in the city. Pray that God would move in the city and that He would heal. That He would forgive That he would move people of righteousness into positions of influence. So that not only the people would be healed, but the land may be healed. The systems would be healed. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you first of all for the challenge of your word. Father, we thank you for the power of the gospel. And now we ask you, oh God, that you would keep us mindful of the power of prayer. Heal this sin-sick city. Individually, corporately. Save some today. Do that in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got about nine minutes. Nine minutes. Anybody? Anybody have any questions about some things that may be happening in the city?
1: Um, anybody?
0: I'd like you to pray. Give, give you another thing to pray for. Um, uh, during the riots last year, I met a young man who um, was a gang leader. In the matter of fact, I met him before, but our coming together really culminated at, at the uh, during the riots. Uh, he was a leader of a um, of several sets of Bloods, blood gangs. You know you know bloods and crips. Um, he controlled about five hundred about five hundred uh, gang members, different sets. Seth means turfs. Okay. Different groups. Uh, and he called me yesterday and said to me that he wants to know about Christ. Well, I would ask you to pray for me As uh, He and I are going to get together next week And, uh, and, and share um, but, but he called me yesterday And said that That God has gotten his attention He was just written up In GQ magazine a few months ago um, As a matter of fact There's some talk about making a movie about his life But uh, he was a gangbanger to no end He killed people he, You name it he's done it But he said yesterday He said God has gotten his attention so I wanted to ask you to uh, to pray. Uh, I'll be meeting with, meeting with him. I think it's Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. But God will just give me discernment and wisdom. And he totally distrusts the church. He distrusts. He distrusts. His his dilemma is he senses God is is, is moving in his life, but his tension is that he 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 disd- he has disdain for the church. Christians, white and black, preachers, white and black. So I, I want you to pray for that. Anybody, anybody, anybody. If not, we can go home. Anybody? Any questions? Questions going once? Yeah. yeah. Okay. She asked about the Rodney King trial. This is the second trial. This is the uh, the civil trial. Um, it's a much harder trial to prove, a uh, case to prove, because they're, they have to prove intent. Um, they are now in the defense phase of that case, um, and they expect it to wrap up in the next about the next week or so. Um, um, if that case, if 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 the four officers are found innocent again, um, it, it it could be pretty bad. It could be pretty bad. Um, but that's where it is. It's in the defense state. They they called one of the police officers yesterday, another one yesterday and the day before. Another one goes on to stand day and they're looking to wrap it up in about a week or so. Um, but it is very, very, very tense, very, very tense. Um, and again, if they if they are found innocent again,
1: uh,
2: uh, pray. <laughs> yes. I have a question about. Uh, well, let me just give my observations first, and then I'd like to ask you what you think about them. Um, the day the riots started. The first A.M.E. church and a number of other uh, church uh, churches got together, along with a lot of the local politicians like Maxine Waters, and um, the press covered it extensively. And it seemed like the words that were spoken, not only by the politicians but also by the church leaders, um, were not meant to heal. They weren't, you know. All right, we don't think this is right, but you know, but let's you know, let's trust the system, or anything else. It seemed that they were, to me at least, they were in, to incite exactly what happened. I do not see how anybody who thoughtfully considered the trial and realized the bias that the press put on it and all the emotions that are stirred up. And I'm, um, how anyone could thoughtfully think about those things and see the the mood of the the people in the city of Los Angeles and and responsibly go out and say the things that they did because they were it seemed to me that, that the only thing that they were calling for was a, a just a social upheaval instead of yeah you know, they were saying well let's stay calm but but we're going to get what's ours. And I think that that was totally unChristian. I think that goes against everything that the, the gospel teaches. Okay. And I'd like to ask you okay. what you think about that. Okay.
0: Can somebody turn the lights up? Is that okay?
2: Is
0: that unholy? <laughs> I feel like I'm coming into the holy of holies in here, man. Got these lights down. Um, a couple of things. Number one. Um, number one. Whatever report you saw, I did not see. So I, it's kind of unfair for me to comment on that because I don't know what was said or the context. That's number one. Number two, we did uh, s- did several projects with First AME Church during that particular time. Um, um, in terms of the inflammatory re- inflammatory remarks, I did not hear them, so I really can't say that. Uh, I would be I, I would I would be very very uh, surprised um, um, that that uh, Dr. Murray, for example, who's a pastor of that church, uh, that if he said things that were inflammatory, see see see. You 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 made a statement that is very crucial to understanding my response to that. You said you implied something about not. Why didn't they trust the system? Or they should have tr- implied something about trusting the system. Okay, you, you use that term. Okay. How could they trust the system that just jacked them up? you, you got to try to look at the other side. See, the part of the problem that we have in this situation is look at the other person's side. To, to, to trust a system that has just... The community felt raped. The community felt violated. The community felt cheated. The community felt wrong. So to, to 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 take the position that they should have... Necess- that, that their posture should have been, well, we'll trust the system, you know, is it, it, not quite realistic in the context of, of, of a scenario where the system had just raped them. that's the first thing. In terms of the statements that were made that were inflammatory I really can't comment because I, I just did not hear them. I, I would be surprised if uh, especially Dr. Murray who would say that, that he would say that but, but that they would be hurt that I understand that they would be upset I understand. Uh, I was upset. I was hurt I was mad I was very ticked off very ticked off. Uh, so, so I can't comment on that direct state that, that those direct statements that I did not hear them I do know that everybody that I talked to who was in that crowd, I was with Maxine for a while, I was with Dr. Dr. Mary, and every place that we went together, and we went many places together, we went talking about calm, you know, keeping calm, keeping cool, that kind of thing. So I don't know how the media did it. I don't know what kind of sound bite, sound bites they got. You got to understand that also. The media, the media are masters at manipulation. And they'll do a three-hour interview and snatch out one phrase to make it appear one way, which may not necessarily have anything to do with the way it was in fact meant to be. So I really can't comment because I didn't hear that. I do know that I was with Maxine during that time. I was with Diane Waters during that time. I was with Dr. Mary, uh, both in the streets and in and out of the various uh, uh, communities. And uh, they did not have that posture when I, when I was with them. Uh They didn't, just did not have it. Did not have it. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Here and here. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a truce call between the Bloods and Crips, uh, that still is in effect. Now let me tell you something. Nothing about the media. The truce between the Bloods and Crips is still in effect. Um, Bloods and these were only Bloods and Crips in Watts and and in South Central. Okay. There are ten thousand gang members in LA, by somebody's conservative count. The Hispanic gangs never bought into that truce. The Samoan gangs never bought into that truce. The Oriental gangs never bought into that truce. They never, never bought into it. So all of the media hype about the continued gang action and gang action and gang action, no, none of the, 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 the uh, uh, Crips and Bloods in, in San Fernando Valley never signed into that into that truce. The guys and the sets who did sign it have been keeping that truce. But the fact that the media still talks about gang violence makes a lot of people think that the truce is not working or did not work, and that's not so. That is not so. These were these were these were groups that did not never endorse that that truth. It never did. Uh, so, but that's what happened. They came together, a group, and, and still holding, incidentally. And they said, "We're going to try to fix this thing." Yes.
1: Um, it seemed like most people in this area and stuff, when the riots went on, that we were willing just to kind of barricade ourselves. And were there to be another riot, what should our response as middle, upper class, white American Christians? What could our response do be instead of just praying? Is there yeah. a way we can get involved instead of just waiting till after the riots to help restore the city?
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, in terms of before, I would simply say that you might want to plug into uh, uh, churches that are on the front line doing things in the community. They, they are bridging, bridging uh, relationships. They're doing dialogue and that kind of thing. I, I think that, that one, of the, one of the disadvantages that most of the Christian schools in Southern... Biola, I'm, on, I'm on the board of Biola, so I, I can say this about my own school. Uh, Biola is like that. This school may be like that. And that is, there's a sense of, of, of removal. You know, you, you're, you're separated. And so you need a pipeline into the community in order to have any kind of effect. Uh, one of the great things that happened uh, uh, all over the city immediately following the riots was the great coming together. Jack Harper said this, and our church is in a partnership with, with uh, Church on the Way... Hollywood Presbyterian and Whittier Area Baptist Fellowship, which is way out in Whittier. Uh, And so these four churches worked together during the riot. Uh, But Jack Capers made this point. Jack Capers said, This city would have been dead meat without the churches. And that's a very good observation. Because we came together uh, um, um, and, as a partnership, presented unity within the body in the face of disunity in the community. So that uh, there were white and black and Orientals and everybody working together and, you know, laughing and joking and hugging each other and presenting a, a ministry of service to meet needs. So I would say first of all what you can do is a get plugged into somebody down there who's on the front line. Um and, and work with them. It's it's big it's about building bridges and, and, and dialogue. Yeah.
1: All right, um, when the riots happened, I went down there, I cleaned up, I did my share. And I saw Maxine Waters down there. She was more worried about her campaign from what I saw than cleaning up. You know, I don't live down there. I was down there cleaning up. I'm from Florida, you know. I kind of felt like let it burn. That's the way I felt on the inside. She she didn't care. That's the way I felt. And to me, you still can't justify it. I don't care what was done to you. You still cannot justify. The answer is to repent of your sin and turn to Jesus. And I think that, you know, I, I've been down there. But however, how can you expect unsaved folk to repent? Well, you gotta preach the message. You gotta repeat. You gotta preach the message to repent of your sin. And, you know, coming from Florida, my, my parents, they went through a lot. They've, they've gone through a lot. My, my You know, my family's from Georgia. I, I remember, let me tell you something, my, um, my grandfather was hung in Georgia.
0: They, they said, tell it quick. He, he,
1: was, he, was, he, was, he was hung in Georgia. But you know what my grandmother told us? We still got to love people. The answer is Jesus Christ. It's not hatred. We got to, you can't justify. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. No,
0: we all agree I, with that. And
1: I'm not trying to, but but I feel like people put Maxine, Maxine Waters and all these different people up in front of the microphone, and, and they try to justify stuff. You can't justify that, that the, what happened.
0: But who tried to justify, I was, like I said, I didn't hear that, so I
1: don't know what Maxine was trying to justify. I, don't, I can't say that. Well, I Maxine. know from what I saw, okay. she was down there saying that we're going to get justice, and they deserve everything that's happening. That's not right. Okay, call Maxine. I can't defend Maxine. I will. It's not fair to
0: make me do that. Okay, I, I I just can't. I mean, she she I can't I cannot defend Maxine.
1: Yeah, but the thing about it is, okay, you, you haven't seen Maxine do nothing. I am not call to
0: defend Maxine. Here but I'm just, the just point. saying
1: that, that that's the answer is to tell the people they have to repent of their sins.
0: When Maxine comes, be sure to tell her that. Okay. Next. Yeah. Any other questions? Question going once. Question going twice. Going on. Yeah. Okay, okay. He asked about the um, rumors about communist infiltration. Okay. Um, our church is in the heart of the ghetto. Um, I have ex-gang members in our church, and uh, I have people who deal with gang members every day. I have never heard that. It sounds like propaganda to me. I've, I've never heard that. My church is on, is on the crossroads of three gang churches, and I've never heard that, nor have I ever seen that. If it's true, it's, it's very well. Must be really underground, because I've never heard it. I've never heard that at all.
1: Uh, yeah. One, I want to say thank you for the work that you're doing down there in the inner city. Um, two, what is the the view of the church by the people in South Central of your church and other churches of you wanting to come alongside? Are they appreciating that? Do they, they not want your help? Yeah. Um, how can we pray in that way? Uh,
0: some some were very hesitant. Very hesitant until they saw us out there. Um, the, the, the black church, uh, in a real, in, in a sense, kind of like the white church, uh, had, has had a history of being inward in its focus, you know, and whoever's in, and whoever comes behind the stained glass walls, you know, th- th- that's our people, that's our thing, with, with little or no interest in the people, in, in the community outside. So there was that significant skepticism. Um, I would say that I see that breaking down a lot. I also, and I see it breaking down because I see several churches on the front line who are trying to change that. Uh, like, like the guy told me yesterday, he said, man, I don't trust black preachers, I don't trust white. I don't, I don't, I don't trust Christianity at all. I just know God's doing something in my life. So I, I guess what I'm saying is that I think that it's, again, the power of God that can overcome that. And even we, in a sense, have to kind of repent from our, from our own negligence in the past. The church has kind of been inbred and that kind of thing. Anybody else? Anybody else, I'll be down here for a few minutes if you want to. Thank you for having me. God bless you.